Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is OI. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. They say most podcasts don't make it past three episodes, and even fewer make it past 20. If that's the case, she's the executive producer of one of the most successful Star Trek podcasts of all time. <laughs> it's Kat Davis! Yay! Kat Davis! Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Here we are, two years. Two years. Oh my gosh. Episode Out of 15. Yes. Out of... What we calculated from the beginning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, A quick word to everybody. So... If for some reason this might be your first or early episodes that you're listening to, uh, first of all, hi, thank you. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, but when we started doing this show, uh, I initially said, you know, I think I'm going to do a Star Trek podcast. And you said, uh, how much Star Trek is out there? <laughs> And at the time, we were around 800 episodes. And what many folks probably don't know about you is that you have a financial analytics background. Right. You're great with numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I told you around 800 episodes, <laughs> you looked up and to the left and I could see the gears turning. <laughs> And you said, 15 years? Yeah. You're going to be doing this show for 15 years? I said, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you just sort of rolled your eyes, but you've been okay. so supportive. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, right off the bat here, uh, executive producer. But two years is a lot. Like two years. Two years is a long. That's pretty cool. Yeah. To I be mean, as far along as you have been. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And you know that that uh, that phrase I used in your intro. That's a quote from somebody that uh, you know. If you start researching uh, people who have analyzed podcasts and the marketing of podcasts and. The longevity of podcasts, that that's not just uh, some dribble. Like, someone's actually done the research right. on that. Um, and to be honest, yeah, three episodes. I mean, because I've talked with so many people who have, you know, oh, I have such a great idea for a podcast. Exactly. And they tell me the idea. And I say, you know what? That is a great idea for a podcast. Uh, you know, go do it. And they're like, well, you know, I want to make sure it's good and everything. I was like, and here it begins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it is a lot of work. Yeah. 
Um, you can probably speak to how many times you've had to go to bed by yourself. Right. <laughs> while I'm Absolutely. in the office editing or marketing or both. Right. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, you know, it's one thing to get a podcast out there. Um, it's kind of like stand-up comedy. Anybody can get up there once. How about next week? How about the yeah. week after that? <laughs> and I think people think it's just sitting in front of a microphone talking but like you said, it's it's the editing involved. Yeah. You don't really realize. I mean, you can put it out there, but no one may listen to an unedited podcast because it yeah. can be very rough to yeah. go through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, again, to do it right, you're working on – it's not necessarily a script, but it's kind of, you know, an outline of the show oh, yeah. to make sure you're talking, you know, about – some key points that you don't miss and you sound intelligent <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and like you said, you know, you maybe you want guests or you want, you know, your standard people. So there's scheduling involved. Oh my God, the schedule the thing. scheduling alone <laughs> is such a nightmare sometimes. So it's just, yeah. yeah, you gotta be dedicated when you sign up for this. So that was always, that was the surprise to me when you said, seri- <laughs> seriously, seriously. <laughs> When you said that you, because you had so many ideas for podcasts, still just do. like everybody, like you still, said, so yep, you still, still have do. so many ideas. So <laughs> when you came to me and said Star Trek, and I did that math, and I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, that's commitment. Yeah. And you have, and and I'm so, it's so cool. Like you have committed to this. And, and run with it and not let it go. And and I think that quote comes from so many people. is like they get started and then they realize the amount of work that's involved. Or maybe they have a really good idea to start and then it's like, well, what do I do now? Like I've gotten my main points out, out yeah. you know. I don't Now I don't know what else to say. So three or four or five episodes in, they're like, okay, I'm done now, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's you've committed and it continues to get better and better and better and oh, you've thanks. got all these awesome people that you've reached out to and they've said yes and yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. It's a testament to your dedication and a testament to the work, the quality that you put into this and I'm I'm so happy for you that you've made it this far and i'm so excited to see where you go yeah it's we've got some big things i I mentioned uh you know a few episodes back that we really do have some big things coming uh in 2023 for the show that are uh, going to be um pretty high profile and things are going to get bigger now that may mean the show has to shift and we have to sort of stay on our toes and, you know, some of the scheduling stuff might uh, move around a little bit. But gotcha. um, this is this is our bread and butter. This is this is what we're doing. This is I, I have I have zero intention of stopping the track that I'm on in covering the entire franchise. And, you know, people have even come up to me and go, oh, well, with New Trek, are you concerned about uh getting ahead of the shows and i'm not honestly because there's going to be things that uh i go back and i cover again or things that i go and you know make a make a correction or something along those lines i'm working very closely with jason keener the creator of the star trek chronology project uh because i I have never shied away from the fact that I used his work 
to set up my episode list. His work is the basis for the organization of this show. Now, as I'm going through them episode by episode, um, you know, and, you know, deep diving on a lot of things, that's where some of the clarification of the chronology comes into play. And I've made really just one adjustment to the chronology uh, to suit the show's needs. Um, But I don't see me doing that a lot. Right. um, Because we are covering the franchise in chronological order. I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen from your work with, um, you know, on this podcast and, and working with other people that have done work with Star Trek. Either that's they've written a book or they've, you know, done a podcast or they've, you know, the chrono- the chronology project that you're basing this on. It seems like you, it's so cool that everyone wants to collaborate yeah, and be, you know, be a part of this community all together and you guys keep reaching out to each other and either cross-promoting or, you know, just wanting to talk and hang out and, and, and talk about Star Trek. And is there's so many times in different industries and different, you know, conversations that people get competitive. Mm. And I love that that's not what we're seeing, that we're seeing collaborators and we're seeing people just excited to be talking Trek. Yeah, and it's it's so awesome. Yeah, the the community, the Star Trek podcasting community has been very very inclusive. Um, in my experience, I'm sure there's somebody out there who has a different point of view, and that's fine. But what I did because when I got started with this show, God, hit, throw a rock, you'll hit two or three <laughs> Star Trek podcasts. There's a bunch of right. them out there. Um, so I, I feel that I'm still relatively the new kid on the block. Um, but the cool thing about it was I would, you know, when, once I set up the social media for the show, I started reaching out and just saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I see what you're doing. What you're doing is awesome. I'm trying to do an awesome thing. Can we work together? Because I see your awesome work and I want to be a part of it. And I want you to be a part of mine. I love that. And, you know, more often than not, it was like, yeah, absolutely. What's your schedule look like? And then, you know, you get into that. Then then (laughs) Then the hard part comes in. Yeah, then the hard part comes in. But, you know, um, I also started reaching out to other different types of podcasts, Uh, you know, D&D podcasts and um, movie podcasts and uh, pop culture podcasts, quote unquote, nerddom podcasts, because I come from a place of, hey, I'm doing Star Trek, but I also play D&D. I work with a third party gaming company. I um, am on a movie podcast that's been going for a good long while. It's got some good numbers. So... This is this is kind of the bread and butter, but at the same time... You'll find a connection. <laughs> yeah, you'll find a connection. And everybody uh, at this... You know, Star Trek is such a pop culture staple yeah. that you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who enjoys pop culture that doesn't have some opinion on some iteration of Star Trek. Right. Uh, just because it's been... It's been around for so long. It's been around for so long. We're, we're coming... You know, we're not too far away from 60 years of Star Trek. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this has been a really great journey. Um, 
And I'm so glad to have you on board uh, as my executive producer <laughs> uh, to keep my feet on the ground. Because <laughs> there's been a lot of ideas where I'm like, hey, this, da, 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 this idea and this idea and this idea. And you're like, that's great. That's have an you, awesome idea. Have you written it down? Have you run the numbers? Have you run the numbers? <laughs> that seems to be my thing. Is it on the calendar? Is have it you- on the calendar? <laughs> Do you really have enough time to get this accomplished? Yeah. And successfully in the time frame you want to do it. Yeah. So the sad part about that is I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many good things. It's like, doesn't mean you can't ever do it. Maybe it's next year, but it's, it's just like, yeah. And trying to trying to balance it all is is a lot. Yeah, and, and here we are, uh, two years in. I only recently got asked to be a part of a Star Trek uh, slash podcasting slash game event thing uh, where I had doubts, where I was like, oh, I don't know that I do. I don't know that I have time to be a part of this. Oh. And um, it broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, they want to they want to do this thing. And I and it was and it's with people I want to work with. Yeah. Uh, but it was just the. You know, the timing was off and, you know, there I've got, like we said, I've got a lot going on. The schedule is filling up fast and fast it was, and furious. yeah, it, this has been, it was, uh, it was a thing where I was like, yeah, I think I may have to, I may have to say no. Now, the nice thing about that is I've made so many contacts with folks that I can soften the blow of, Hey, I can't, but here's a short list of people who can. <laughs> um, I think I think even the coolest thing is like, you know, looking forward or even looking right now. So yeah. the coolest thing is when this episode airs, uh-huh. you're going to be in Los- LA. Yeah, in Los Angeles. Yeah. With a ton of enterprise stars yeah uh so this is dropping uh i guess the 13th 13th, which is a monday so uh yesterday (laughs) yesterday yesterday everybody i attended a super bowl watch party (laughs) how cool is this in los angeles hosted by connor trenier dominic keating and a whole host of star trek celebrities yeah and yeah, uh, for those of you and future Todd, how was it? <laughs> how was it? Well, uh, the game was fun. <laughs> the food was good. John Billingsley gives great hugs. <laughs> I assume he looks like a good hugger. Well, you'll know on you'll know when this airs. I'm gonna so have to you'll ask. Have him. to tell. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so for those of you who are wondering how in the hell I got involved with this, um, if you heard our episode a few weeks ago with Erica LaRose and Mark Cartier from Shuttle Pod Show, uh, they were uh, awesome guests and wonderful people to talk to, but we stayed in touch and they said, hey, you know, our anniversary for Shuttle Pod is coming up. We'd like you to be a part of it. And they reached out to me and, you know, told me what they had in mind. And I said, um, who do I have to kill? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I said yes. And we've been 
we've been in touch ever since and this is this is what's going down this is so their one year anniversary yes your two year anniversary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of celebrating to do yeah it's and, a lot of celebrating and how exciting that you can be a part of that and bringing other people along with you and again just such a collaborative environment and such an open yeah. group of people and can't wait again for future Todd <laughs> present Todd for everybody listening yeah <laughs> to tell us all about it yeah so I, I've debated whether or not I was gonna do maybe sort of a shuttle pod show audio diary. While cool. I'm out there, yeah. you know, uh, just recording a couple of short clips here and there and just sort of compiling it with uh, some folks saying hello if I if I can get Aww, a chance for them yeah. to, to say hey. I think that would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, it's been a great journey so far. Um, I'm looking forward to many more journeys, not only this year, but in coming years yeah. with the show and the community uh throughout the country potentially around the world i don't know i mean star trek is an international kind of thing intergalactic i mean you never know where it's gonna take you i know wouldn't it be weird okay so let's (laughs) let's let's shoot for the moon here okay literally would it wouldn't it be weird to have a an astronaut from from the space station. Zooming in. Zooming in for um, an episode. We need to make this happen. <laughs> yes. So if you're listening, NASA, yeah. if you have anyone, I'm I'm sure you got some Star Trek fans on on payroll. Yeah. So, you know, and hopefully they're in the in in, you know, one of your shuttles or something along yeah, those lines. Listen, listen, you know, it's hard work being up in the space station doing what they're doing i'm sure they'd like a break yeah yeah something fun to talk about and do so yeah. give them one of the episodes um maybe one they haven't seen yet or something like that sure who knows how long they've been up there yeah um i know there, there'll probably be some a delay in the communication we'll edit that out it's i can fine. fix that it's fine i can fix that it's in editing. <laughs> so i think this should totally happen i think so too okay Next on the list. Yep. All right. That we're, that's what we're shooting for. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, by the way, like so, so twelve year old me was like, we we have a story about going to NASA in 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 Florida when we lived there. It's like twelve year old me was like totally flipping out that day. So <laughs> I love. I I if there was a space camp for adults, I'm in. Yeah. So. I tell you what. Let's 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 rehash that story of our trip to nasa in the after show okay for the patreon folks works for me yeah so uh if you haven't subscribed to our patreon please do so we are going to be getting those um i'm in a constant state of trying to update the patreon page and we'll get that uh we'll get that extended version of the episode up there for folks to uh to enjoy but anyways uh talking about things to watch and how we spend our time in our very very busy schedules you and i recently sat down for a binge day of discovery yeah and we spent all day watching star trek discovery one day here recently um but you also watched discovery with me as it was airing i did i did and well, enjoyed it. Yeah, we haven't really talked about this is this has been the first time that you've been on the show 
since our coverage of Enterprise. Right. So now that we're in Discovery, you had you you made your thoughts on Enterprise very clear that it I mean, and it's a it's a completely different show from a completely different era. Exactly. So now we're in a new show in a new era. Yeah. What were your initial thoughts about Discovery? If you recall leading up to and, you know, those first episodes hitting and your your initial reaction to those. Well, I was really excited about Discovery. Um, that was coming on at the tail end of when we actually stopped watching Walking Dead. Yes. And and so knowing that Sonequa Martin-Green was going to be on this show, I was really excited. Yeah. Um, so I that, that was my part of my initial drive to watching Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, another person that I know we love uh, that was going to be on it was Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited to see him and and what he was going to do on it because he always is in these very interesting costumes and all that stuff yeah so um and and you know i i don't think i guess i hadn't really watched a modern what or what i consider modern star trek in a while yeah i mean was enterprise the last thing that aired before discovery or what aired Uh, between discovery and enterprise so between uh between Enterprise and uh, Discovery was J.J. Uh, Abrams. Oh, okay. The Kelvin yeah. timeline. So loved those. Yeah. Um, but nothing is serialized. Nothing like. No, um, not not regular Trek. TV. Right. Okay. So you know it'd been a couple decades then. Yeah, it'd been a while. Um, and so you know the technology's better. The 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 quality of the of the show is better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. What, and and again, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called myself before the show like a, a Trekkie. Right. Um, but it is kind of cool to have, a, you know, something sequential. Like you have to watch it every single week. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those, you know, it, you can just watch it whenever. Right. And just pop in and you still understand the story. Sure. It's completely serialized. Serialized, it, it's thank a, you. It's a water cooler show. Yeah, yeah. So, um... That in and of itself kind of it makes this different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought that, it, I, and I know Star Trek has had um, female leads before. Mm-hmm. It was great to have another one. And um, it just feels, I, I just like it. I, I like the feel of it. I like, I, I like the inclusiveness of it. I like, and, and again, that's, I feel like that's just Trek all around. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just bringing that into a new decade. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. We are seeing some really fantastic things um, in front of and behind the camera. Every department is firing on all cylinders. Everything from production design, costuming, yeah, special effects, makeup effects, uh, the the storytelling, uh, be it from the writers, from the directors. Um, the digital effects, uh, the ships, everything. Yeah. It, it's, it's top notch. It feels like a movie. It feels like you're watching a movie every week. Every, every episode feels like a small movie. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's still boggling, uh, the mind 
to, you know, I won't get into all the details, but I interacted with somebody on social media who, first of all, there was a comment that the Klingons looked weird and didn't, they did, they didn't look right. Okay. There's been three different versions of Klingons. Yeah. And Enterprise actually did a really good job of explaining why Klingons look different. <laughs> oh, I might have missed that. Can you tell me? Yeah. So, uh, in short, there was a three-part, uh, there was a little arc, a little three-episode arc in season four mm-hmm. of Enterprise mm-hmm. that dealt with the Klingons and the eugenics wars the Mm -hmm. the enhanced humans uh that eventually become khan and his crew the klingons were experimenting with that with those with that tech with that technique on a virus that ended up affecting a certain uh camp of klingons Mm -hmm. the cure was to actually use augments the augments okay um so Doc Flox ended up figuring out that the way to cure these Klingons was to actually use human augment DNA. And when they introduced human augment DNA to these Klingons, their ridges disappeared. Oh. So now we know why Klingons have ridges and don't have ridges in the original series. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at some of the older houses of Klingons, you can also see differences in uh, the structures of the ridges on the face and the structure of the teeth in the skull. Mm -hmm. So they've looked different throughout. Um, The people who are just like, oh, Klingons look weird. If they consider themselves a Star Trek fan, but still have the Klingons look weird argument... It's kind of, okay, keep watching and pay attention because they explain that. Got it. Manny Cotto bent over backwards to tie up loose ends and fill in plot holes of why certain things happen in certain eras of Trek, which was a brilliant move. You know, it's funny to me because it I don't know why that reminds me exactly of Doctor Who. Mm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like It's like... We have an an explanation of why we change actors. Yeah. You know? It's like, okay, this one transforms, yeah. you know? And that's how we make sure that we can keep the show going and it's not the same actor for 60 years because it's not going to be the same actor for 60 years. And it's like, and I kind of like it in a way for, for this particular thing because even if you're not talking about the same exact character, like you now have given makeup artists a little bit of, freedom Mm -hmm. to kind of experiment with different slightly different looks depending on the show Mm -hmm. um so i think that's kind of cool that it doesn't i mean you think about even all evolution right yeah like we don't look the same exactly as we did hundreds of years ago right yeah yeah it's well you know looking at some portraits of what was considered the most beautiful women in the world mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, centuries gone by compared to what you may see on television or in a magazine or in a movie. It's very different. Right. It's very different. Right. And not just women, men too. Right. What was considered a very manly man 
or even the top fighters of the day. Like if you look at some of the boxing legends from the earliest era of the sport compared to the top dogs in the sport today, it is worlds apart. Yeah. Worlds apart. So, yeah, I mean, things change. The looks change. Uh, You know, (laughs) humans, we adapt. Yeah. You know, we adapt to the environment. We adapt to our surroundings and all, all of these other things. So, you know, when people complain about the Klingons, uh, you know, another thing I like to say is, how do you feel about the Andorians? Because they've changed a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little more subtle. How about the Romulans? So have they. Yeah. How about the ears on the Vulcans? Take a closer look. They're much different now. Yeah. You know, all of these things, you know... Things don't don't stay the same. Yeah, things don't stay the same. Like, a lot of these things change. Hell, look at Kirk's physique next to... Look at at William Shatner's physique as Kirk next to Chris Pine's physique Mm -hmm. as Kirk. It's different. Yeah. It's just different. Let alone... I mean, you know, our diets are different. Right. Our exercise routines are different. You know, things change. So, I, you know, the folks who get all bent out of shape over the aesthetics, I, (laughs) that's going to be a, that's a, that's a long battle to fight because things are going to continue to change. I think there's a lot of people out there who just want to complain about different things. Yeah. They want to have something to complain about. So, yeah. Versus just kind of watching it and enjoying it for what it is. Right. Um, And, you know, getting, getting out of it. It's, It's not. You know, they didn't ask us. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I might have done a completely different story or a different character or something like that. Yeah. Um, Laurel's dress occasionally like trips me up. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, it just looks like something from um, the the way it kind of curls out. You know, yeah. at the bottom, it looks something like from um, Charlie Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I kind of think it's cute at the same time. But again, I don't think of Klingons as cute. So <laughs> it's just a little contradictory in in my opinion. Right. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I actually really like that character. Laurel? Um, yeah. I, mm. I, granted, I've, I've watched ahead, so I know what's, you know, coming with, with a little bit more of that storyline. But right. I like what they did there. It's interesting because, again, it's... It's not so stern in what you think of as Klingon. She's got some vulnerability to her. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes her more real. Yeah. And I think that's what they're doing with a lot of these characters. And and the serialization of this and how you go week to week is just like you actually get that character development even more so than we have in other Star Trek series. Yep. Where it's all about the story or all about the plot or the you know what's hap- what what creature are we coming into this week and what do we have to face this week it's just it's more of understanding their backgrounds and where they're coming from and mm-hmm. what's driving them and yeah. where we're going with them yeah. so um i i think i like character development more than almost all other story you know plot and story and all that fun stuff that we talk about a lot because we're writers but right um you know i i if you don't have good characters so you don't necessarily have a good story. Yeah. So I got I gotta love your characters to 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 be able to feel like I'm well, you know me, I'm an empathic watcher. Oh yes. So I get I I feel everything that's happening and mm-hmm. I'm I'm with those characters and I'm I'm in the story. Very so. much so. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head there. It's, you know, looking at what these characters are doing and uh, seeing these journeys unfold and looking at the aesthetics and taking that into account. To be honest, if you don't have compelling characters and a decent plot for us to follow, everything else is secondary. Yeah. This should be able, you should be able to tell a compelling story on stage. They did it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when you look at these things, try to keep in mind, you know, when when you buy a house, they tell you, ignore the paint. Ignore the paint color. Oh, and how hard is that to do? It is. It's I'm really sorry. tough. Yeah. Uh, for, Especially when it's like pink <laughs> or this god-awful bright yellow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here at the studio, our house, um, <laughs> when we first move in, uh, 2010. Yeah, we've had our house since 2010. Yeah. Um, it was decked out in this awful yellow paint mm-hmm. and uh yeah it took us a long that's time that's not the worst that we saw yeah that's not the worst we thing really that gonna... was in the house <laughs> but it was you know we we were able to look at the bones yeah and we were able to look at what the house offered and, and we were able to see past the paint but a lot of a lot of people i feel with star trek can't look past the paint mm-hmm. they can't see these wonderful character arcs these amazing performances by some pretty legendary actors um you know it's no secret michelle yo is having a fantastic year oh my gosh (laughs) um and you know in terms of star trek discovery jason isaacs as Lorca is such a fascinating character Mm -hmm. and wonderful performance um i you know I could have easily watched uh, much, much more of Captain Lorca. Oh, same, same. And, you know, now that we've got folks like the cast of Strange New Worlds, you know, of course, led by Anson Mount as Captain Pike, who, yeah, I'd listen to the guy read a phone book. Like, <laughs> the, dude, the, dude, the dude puts on a great show. He gives a great performance. Um, but, yeah, with this episode specifically... We see a lot of Captain Lorca and his workings sort of behind the scenes. And we're introduced to two uh, new characters. One, Ash Tyler. Yep. Uh, played by uh, Shazad Latif, uh, who we will see much more of throughout the series, uh, at least the first two seasons. And we also get Harry Mudd. Uh, played by Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but Rain Wilson's kind of a comedy legend. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Dwight. We, yeah, Dwight Schrute, of course. Uh, but you don't see Dwight Schrute at you, all. You do not in see mud. Dwight. No, no. And I love that. Yeah, I think we really get to see because I was not familiar with uh, Shazad Latif um, and his uh, acting. Uh, not that I, I can't ra- rattle anything off the top of my head that anything else that he's been in, but 
We were very familiar with Rain Wilson, uh, obviously from The Office and everything. But I, I don't want to get too far ahead. That's yeah. that's going to be in the uh, yeah. who, who do we blame? And he's section. been. And I, I don't want to. I mean, he's been in so many other things other than things. The Office. But yeah. I know him best from The Office. Right, so. right. But let's let's talk more about the episode before we uh, hit the recap. Like, what were your initial thoughts about? This episode again. You watched it with me, so this wasn't your first time viewing it, but it was right. the first time in a long time, I imagine. And what were your thoughts initially? You know, when you revisited this episode, there's a lot of emotion, I think, out of this particular episode. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, like I just said, I, I'm kind of an empathic, you know, viewer and mm-hmm. get involved. So, um, seeing. It's so sad seeing the the uh, tardigrade, mm. um, yeah. just in so much pain, and um, you know, in the end, like shrinks up, and just you know, I feel so bad. It makes me think of like experiments on the animals and different things along those lines, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I know that Burnham was trying really hard to help the tardigrade and and go around and and help get help from others and she's still struggling on the ship to find her place because there's a lot of people just still not accepting her and and morale is low and all that because maybe that they feel like she hasn't been punished enough for what what mm, happened yeah. um or that they don't trust her and all that stuff so i i just felt for her so much that she was trying to help this creature mm. and she it was she couldn't get anyone to really... Oh, I mean, that's not 100% true. She couldn't get her superiors, like Saru, to really back her. And yeah. there was that whole thing. Um, I We talked before we got started. Is like I feel like there's a lot of actual... Of that boss-subordinate um, relationship going on in this episode. Mm, very much. Um, you know, with Tilly and um, Stamus and Burnham and Saru and... You know, different things along those lines. So um, one of the lines uh, that I actually wrote down um, was that Burnham had mentioned when she's talking to Tilly um, is she said something about she barely has a job. Um, so and this is talking about how she's, you know, how she was able to get to, to thinking about um the tardigrade and what was really happening here. It's like, she has time to process that information and emotions. Yeah. And as soon as that she said that, like, like all these bells and whistles started going off in my head because it's like our society is so much that you're working so hard at, at the jobs. Like I have job, I have, I've had jobs like that in my mm. corporate jobs. Like, oh, it's yeah. just like, I'm working, I don't work eight hours a day. I work 12 or 16 hours a day sometimes. And you just, constantly go 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 you don't even though it's so much to do and you really need that time to process the information that you're receiving it's not just but we don't have it right and you know she was actually kind of complaining in a way that she didn't have the job so she has time to process but i'm like that's a good thing that's that's like now you're seeing something further in that you're realizing oh we have to fix this and then so glad she figured it out before they really got too much further because he couldn't take that much more. Yeah. And what if they were in a situation like like Saru was saying, it was like they had to jump all these different times and they're not going to be able to do that because this poor thing 
can't take it. Yeah. So we, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Lorca meeting Ash Tyler and Harry Mudd. And we know that Burnham and Tilly and Stamets uh, are having, you know, issues. And Saru, let's not forget Saru. Uh, you know, there's some strained relationships and some different personality types. Yep. That we're dealing with with this episode. But before we get too much further into this, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Warning, Klingon tractor beam engaged. Captain Lorca was captured. We will find him. Where are we? A Klingon prison vessel. Prepare to jump. I don't know how much more the creature can sustain. I gave you an order. You seek glory. But glory must be earned through sacrifice. Stick with me. I'm a survivor just like you. Star Trek Discovery. After a rough night's sleep, Burnham consults with Doc Culber about the tardigrade's seeming pain whenever the ship activates the spore drive. Culber responds that humans don't know if the creature experiences stress or pain like they do, but nevertheless promises he'll run some tests. Meanwhile, Lorca notes Discovery's successes during the last three weeks during a briefing of Starfleet admirals. One of the admirals, Katrina Cornwell, states that Starfleet is building more units, but needs more tardigrades to ensure safe navigation. She also tells Lorca that Starfleet wants Discovery to scale back on its missions, as they don't want to exhaust their new and best resource. Later, Lorca tells Cornwell he feels he was blindsided during the strategy session. Cornwell brings up when Lorca brought Burnham aboard Discovery, and Lorca quotes Starfleet Regulation 13982, which allows him to use virtually anyone in a time of war. Cornwell notes that many see Burnham as the cause of Starfleet's current conflict with the Klingons, and seeing her avoiding justice for her actions back in Episode 2 does nothing to help morale. Lorca reminds her that it is his ship and his way. On his way back to Discovery, Lorca's space bus is ambushed by Klingons. The pilot is killed. And Lorca is taken captive. And on that note, we cue the music. Discovery doesn't know where Lorca's been taken, as the Klingon's warp trail has since dissipated. And so on. Saru orders helmsman Kayla Detmer to plot a course to the space bus's last known coordinates at maximum warp, operations officer Owosukun to initiate a search, and Arium to inform Stamets that they will likely be making multiple jumps shortly. Saru's threat ganglia engages just as Burnham enters the bridge, looking for Lorca. She takes issue with the commander's plan, expressing concern about the negative effects the jumps are having on Ripper. Saru demands she focus on the task at hand, and to not bring up the tardigrade again until Lorca's been rescued. 
Meanwhile, Lorca is startled awake by Harry Mudd rifling through the pockets of his Starfleet uniform. He tells the captain they are on a particularly nasty Klingon prison vessel. Mudd tells Lorca his story, while nearby a wounded Starfleet officer is moaning in pain. Just then, two Klingons enter and ask the prisoners to choose your pain. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! Mudd points towards the weakened Starfleet officer. The Klingons punch and kick the weakened Starfleet officer until he dies. <laughs> Mudd explains that the Klingons regularly ask their prisoners to choose their pain. Ah, ah, there it is! There it is! They can choose themselves or one of their cellmates, preventing the prisoners from bonding. Lorca notices that Mud seems to be free from any bruises or injuries. Meanwhile, Burnham stands up to Stamets in engineering about the physical effect the frequent jumps are taking on Ripper, having enlisted the help of Doc Culber. Culber explains that medical scans on its frontal lobes show cumulative deterioration. Stamets asks Burnham if she wants to be right or if she wants to fix it. Meanwhile, on the Klingon ship, Lorca comes across a male Starfleet officer lying on the floor. Identifying himself as Lieutenant Ash Tyler, he tells Lorca his former commanding officer was Stephen Marinville of the USS Jaeger. Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Shots! Tyler was captured during episode two and has been in prison for seven months. Lorca is suspicious of Tyler. Just then, an insect crawls between them to deliver food to Mud. Then, two Klingons enter the cell, grab Lorca by his throat, and take him away. Meanwhile, Stamets, Burnham, and Tilly figure out the issue with Ripper and how to fix it, and spend the next few moments cursing about it. Meanwhile, Lorca is strapped into a chair while Laurel speaks to him in English and demands to know his vessel's secret. Lorca feigns ignorance and makes a joke about human versus Klingon sexual organs. At this, Laurel growls and uses a device to forcibly keep Lorca's eyes open and turns on three glowing lights. After Lieutenant Reese narrows down the location of the Klingon vessel, Saru enters engineering to find out why Stamets took the spore drive offline. Stamets, Burnham, and Tilly are trying to find a substitute for Ripper. Burnham suggests a human host, but Saru dismisses this, reminding her that when it comes to eugenics experiments, It's forbidden! She knows this and tells him they need more time. He tells her that saving Ripper will not bring back nor change the fact that her current behavior is exactly the kind that led to the death of Giorgio. Lieutenant Reese hails Saru and tells him they've located the battle cruiser Lorca's on. Saru orders Stamets to bring the spore drive online and confines Burnham to her quarters. Meanwhile, back in the cell, Lorca finds the transmitter attached to Mud's pet. When the time comes to choose their pain, ah, 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 he said it. Lorca and Tyler will both choose Mud. Mud reveals that Lorca was the CEO of the USS Biran which was ambushed by the Klingons a month into the war, and he was the only survivor. Lorca explains to Tyler that he did not let his crew die. He blew them up. Meanwhile, Stamets beams Ripper into engineering and engages the ship's spore drive. After the jump, the tardigrade collapses in the chamber and goes into extreme cryptobiosis, reducing the water content of its body to less than 1%. 
Saru orders that they rehydrate and revive the creature, and force it to comply, no matter what. Meanwhile, Lorca and Tyler overtake the guards to begin making their escape. They leave Mud locked in the cell, who swears revenge. That probably won't come back later. As Lorca and Tyler <clears throat> make their way, make them away. for the ship's docking bay, they encounter and kill multiple Klingon warriors. Eventually, Tyler engages in hand-to-hand -hand combat with Laurel. When Lorca fires a shot close to her face, it leaves her scarred, and the two Starfleet officers finally make it off the prison ship in a Klingon raider, hotly pursued by five other Klingon raiders. Meanwhile, Saru orders red alert and quickly deduces that Lorca is on board the raider being chased. The pair are beamed aboard, and Saru asks Stamets if they've been able to revive the tardigrade. He reports they're ready to jump. Reese reports that Discovery will soon be in weapons range of the raiders. Saru orders black alert, and the ship disappears. When he calls Engineering to congratulate Stamets, he receives no answer. Owosakun reports that Stamets' life signs are in distress. The crew finds Stamets in the chamber unconscious, having injected himself with the tardigrade DNA. Just then, Stamets awakens and asks if they made it. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> Saru confirms, and the lieutenant begins laughing hysterically. Later in her quarters, Burnham asks Saru if he is afraid of her. Saru says he's not. He's jealous of her. He's envious that he never got the chance to be XO under George O and learn everything she had to teach. Burnham assures Saru that Giorgio would have been very proud and gifts him Giorgio's telescope. Elsewhere, Tilly and Burnham release Ripper into open space, where he revives and disappears to parts unknown. In Colbert and Stamets' quarters, the astromycologist asks Colbert to stop worrying about him, and the doctor conveys his worries over his brilliant but reckless maniac. <laughs> Before going to bed, Culber asks Stamets if he feels okay. Stamets says that he does. Stamets then leaves the bathroom, and his reflection is left looking back from the mirror with a somewhat sinister expression. So yeah, we get quite a bit happening here in these uh, in these episodes. I mean, we're still kind of right at the beginning of this journey on the USS Discovery. What were your... Uh, we, and we started to get into your thoughts about yeah. the different relationships. Um, where do you want to start? You want, you want to start dissecting everything going on with Burnham or you want to jump to Lorca just, and Tyler? <laughs> oh, none of that. <laughs> um, just kind of where you left off on the recap. It's like um, with Colbert and Stamets. Oh, I yeah. love them. They yeah. are super cute. Yeah. I love that relationship so much. And um, how creepy was that at the end where he's in the reflection? Like, he doesn't stay there. And he's just got the smile on his face. Yes. He's like, hello. I'm oh. still here. So, that I feel like that, because, you know, I mean, that's the first time we see this happening, yeah. you know, where he gets in there as a human, you uh -huh. know, and takes the tardigrade spot. That's um, a gutsy, a very gutsy move. I'm so proud of him for doing that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I guess it has to be done. And humans are closest to what they say, mushrooms and in terms of DNA and... Uh, yeah, they know, get into a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly what they were saying, but it was, but it was um, yeah, it was pretty cool that 
he's just like, yeah, let's let's do it. You know, we can't don't have the tardigrade anymore. I'm not gonna put another creature, you yeah. know, in in danger like that or in in distress like that. So yeah. I'll just I'll see what this is like. And uh, I think I think he ends up seeing more than he expected, and mm-hmm. he kind of. I don't know. It felt like he enjoyed the experience a little bit. Yeah. Like it just opened his mind to so so much of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and how cool is that? But yeah, I mean, human minds open to that kind of stuff. Like, you're going to go a little insane. Yeah. So um, kind of, it just kind of gives that like, I don't know, that really haunted, eerie feeling right at the end when everything else is kind of like, oh, this is so fascinating and, and eye-opening and expansive and all that and it was cool yeah i think i think i even mentioned as we re-watched this episode that that moment in particular for hardcore star trek fans who are familiar with all the ins and outs of the mirror universe oh yeah saw that and collectively lost their minds <laughs> like oh man we're getting into the mirror universe this early yep and I think there was something in the tone behind that smile of, oh, this... First of all, Discovery is a darker story. Yes. I feel. I mean, it starts with a mutiny. Right. Like, it's a dark story yeah. to begin with. So that kind of sets a certain bar. And in terms of... And in Star Trek terms, that means the mirror universe is going to be brutal like we've already known that the mirror universe is you know the terran empire and it's it's the evil versions of the characters we know and love an evil version (laughs) that's one of your favorite it is it really is (laughs) excuse me missus i've lost a shoe like this one it's like this one's fellow the sort of the exact opposite in fact of that Uh not an evil version but just you know a shoe like this but for the other foot this one's fellow yeah. <laughs> but in terms of everything else that's going on with that particular scene, especially what leads up to that of Stamets going out on a limb and injecting himself with the tardigrade DNA made me think about things like, and, and I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's really come into, uh, prevalence i feel in the last few years especially with folks staying at home and really um taking self-care uh into mind the idea of folks microdosing and things like that um and we've we've had some friends who have needed uh some medical some special medical attention that can only be addressed through microdosing. Uh, you have a medical background. Have you researched anything about this? Because I'm not familiar with a lot of the stuff regarding uh, microdosing. Are you? Are you? Are you well versed enough to speak on something like that? Um, probably not the best. I, I've I've looked into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. It, I find it fascinating that, um, you know, we've got friends and there's so many in our community that have ADHD or, you know, different things, even depression where you're on these different medications Mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. trying to alter your chemistry in your brain to, you know, I guess function quote unquote normally. Right, right. Um, 
Uh, and it's fascinating how something like microdosing has helped the, you know, psychiatric community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they feel like it's the, the next wave within, from what I understand, um, of helping psych- psychiatric patients. Um, oh, wow. Anyone who's going through a tough time. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to help you kind of get it, it done done right. You're, it's supposed to help you get to, um, I guess, your intuition and kind of help yourself answer your own questions. Right. Um, right. What's right for you? Um, what, what other stuff I've been, you know, kind of educating myself on lately is different uh, nutritional needs mm, uh, of yeah. others. So, you know... Educating myself on different nutrition standards. I, I Everyone has a different bio-individuality. Mm. So, you know, it's hard for you to kind of always pay attention to um, maybe even what a doctor is telling you to mm. because they don't know. They're with you for like 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. They don't know your day-to-day. They mm. don't know what's really going on in your body. They can run tests. And they can do scans and they can, you know, some get to know you a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. But um, you know yourself best. Right. So we are, in our society, we're so disconnected from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I do feel like we all have an interconnectedness. So the whole mitochondria, you know, the or the... What is it? It's not, it's not mitochondria. Uh, mycelial spores. Mycelial spores. The whole mycelial spores and how it, it connects to everything right. in the universe. It's like this highway. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so cool to think about that because I do feel like we're all connected in a way. Right. But somehow we get, and I feel this way about myself, like we get disconnected from ourselves because mm. we're so focused on everything else that's going on outside of us. Work and, you know, different relationships and stressors that are, that are going on that you're trying to solve for. Mm-hmm. So from what I understand that, that, you know, microdosing and mushrooms, you know, even if you're, some people go more than microdosing, right? They, they go for like, oh sure you know, a lot more of that experience, you know, you actually get to experience that connection, mm-hmm. not only to yourself, but to, to the universe. And and these psychedelics that are becoming just such a such a big thing now, and they're still illegal, but it's still it, it's becoming more and more experimented on of how this is actually benefiting your mind, benefiting your body to be able to help you reconnect. Yeah, and I think what we've seen of Stamets so far in the series is he's uh, he's a bit stuffy. Yeah, he's a you know he's straight laced and you know all about the job. He's all about his engineering project that involves these spores, the mycelial network, and all of that. But um, you know he's he's an engineer, so to see him have this first dose uh, and to see that it gets him to laugh. Yeah. hysterically is is interesting uh you know it's an interesting result i yeah. think uh you know like we mentioned uh you know of course uh drug consumption uh, you know throughout the country throughout the world uh and the legal ramifications of that we're certainly not advocating anybody do anything that's against the law but um you know in terms of the scientific and medical benefits you know if that is something that you're interested in Educate yourself. Right. Talk to your doctor. 
you know, I, you know, it, every everybody's trek is different, so you got to make sure that I love it's that. yeah, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you do what's right for you and your body and your mind and your your heart and all that. Yeah, again, it's 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 really bio individual. It's just mm-hmm. like you know, it's funny that you know you you become like you know your family, right? And, sure. And and you end up making a meal mm-hmm. for everyone in your family, mm-hmm. and really, my meal actually may not work well best for your body. Right. You know, I found we found that out in in me experimenting with different diets or different eating patterns. I don't even love to call it diets anymore. But, um, you know, just kind of what feels good, what's actually fueling you. Right. You know, and and you hear of these, it's it's um, like hearing about different families and, and people with different illnesses going on. It's like it's it kind of sucks you end up having to make different meals for everybody. At the same time, it makes sense. It's like even, even if we're related like it's a kid and a, and a parent it's like they can't you you have a different microbiome you have a different need within your body um even though you have shared genes right. you know share share dna um that requires different nutrition mm-hmm. so we're all we're all our own individual person that that needs needs all that yeah so. yeah absolutely so let's talk a little bit about um, the different relationships that we've got going on here, you know, Saru interacting with Burnham, they have a previous relationship because they served together under Giorgio yeah. on the Shinzu. We've also got some interesting interactions with Tilly and Stamets, both unique individuals with unique personalities. And we are seeing Tilly come out of her shell a little bit more and get a little more comfortable, although almost accidentally <laughs> in this episode uh in that she you know exclaims uh an expletive <laughs> uh in fact i think the first expletive in star trek history was it the very first i think so. well i think so in terms of um one of these one of george carlin's seven dirty words right um, Are we not repeating it? <laughs> no, no. If you've seen the episode, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, back in the original series, there was a big to do. I believe the episode was the city on the edge of forever. Okay. Where at the end of the events of that episode, uh, Kirk is upset at their successful outcome for, you know, I won't get into the whole you know, uh, that's for another episode. That's for another episode down the line. <laughs> but needless to say, things worked out the way they needed to. They needed to, um, but the results were not great, not hunky dory. Everybody didn't live happily ever after. Mm, okay. And as the camera begins to pan out, Kirk says, "Let's get the hell out of here." Oh, and they got upset about that. In the '60s, that was a big deal. Um, tisk, and I, tisk, Kirk. I know, I know. Now, I think, you know, once uh, TNG started, I think they probably used hell, damn, and things of that sort that are, yes, considered expletives to a certain degree, but they're certainly not as harsh as the seven dirty words. Yeah. Um, but here we've got the first dropping of an F-bomb. And... Not only is she, she's not chastised for it, but 
she actually connects with her boss, yeah. Stamets, yeah. who agrees and repeats the sentiment. Yeah, uh, it's really awkward for a second because she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And he's just like, no, it is really cool. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, you mentioned that you've worked a lot of different corporate yeah. jobs. Uh, you're still working in a corporate job. Um, have you had those instances where the boss kind of lets their hair down for a minute and was it awkward or did you feel like you connected with them a little bit? More? I definitely, I, I, yes, I've had those and I do feel like you connect better with them. Mm-hmm. I think you can see them more as human yeah. and not as, um, you know, your boss that you're always, always trying to be perfect for. Right. 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 Um, which you can't be. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me is when I think about this, and, and as you're kind of talking about the, the history mm-hmm. of using expletives in, in um, our culture and, and uh, television and all that stuff, is I think the same thing happened in my tenure in, in corporate, mm. um, is I saw a change where it was like you never cursed mm-hmm. to... You know, I mean, we, we, I don't know that we fired anybody for cursing, but we, they absolutely went to HR, mm. you know, mm-hmm. especially if someone complained. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're in a healthcare environment, so there's patients around too, and we certainly don't want patients to hear us, you know, talking like that or anything like that. Right. Um, I saw where that actually shifted. It felt like a cultural shift and that the, the, response from people was like i grew up in households or in cultures that used these words Mm. on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and um it it's interesting that they when once you kind of say that that like your culture includes this then it's harder kind of for hr to say well it's not allowed because then you're basically saying your, your culture is not, not allowed. allowed. Yeah. And so we started seeing this pullback from HR that said, okay, well, we really don't want you to curse, but we're not going to probably write you up any longer unless it's really bad for some reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In terms of comedy, I think there was... <laughs> You know, a lot of people point to Lenny Bruce, Mm -hmm. George Carlin, as I've already mentioned. Um, uh, You know, you've got uh, Richard Pryor, who used quite colorful language, Um, Eddie Murphy, Hmm. and a a whole host of others. Um, But they are kind of viewed as the champions of free speech in the modern era. Where uh, to convey a particular idea, they used every tool at their disposal. And they were big on pointing out the hypocrisy of having a law or, you know, the Bill of Rights, you know, the first one being uh, free, you know, freedom, freedom of speech. Exactly. Yet, yet jailing, jailing art artists yeah jailing for artists using it for using language not not even something that was visually harmful not yeah. not creating an object just the words yeah just the words and uh i find that so fascinating to see how far we've come and even certain things that are allowed now um 
even on Star Trek, things that are allowed now. There's a lot of... Even on Disney. Even on we Disney. We have caught Disney. We've caught some stuff on like, Disney. Oh, that Disney said that. How did Disney get what? away with that? What? And the answer to that is because they're Disney. Because they're Disney. <laughs> Well, and because because I think there is cultural changes, you right. know, continuously happening. So mm-hmm. if it's a, you know, you talked about there being jailed in the what was that forties? Oh no, it was probably fifties and sixties. Okay. Yeah, so jailed for that, and mm-hmm. and chastised for hell on TV, and then you move into damn, and then now we can say f, you know. And all that stuff. And it is a little different because it's not network TV. But everyone's got these streaming services now. So it's almost like network TV. It's just like you can choose whatever you want to watch. Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like we're constantly evolving or some people would probably say devolving in this this case because you're, I don't know, allowing things to whatever. Yeah. Well, it's we talked a little. I'll do what you want. Right. (laughs) We talked a little bit before we started rolling about uh, my background in terms of writing and creative expression in a very religious household. Right. Where I expressed to you that the thought was that bad language, cursing, foul language, however you want to label it, uh, was considered an unintelligent way to convey your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and so on and so forth. Um, now, if any of you have seen my stand-up comedy, <laughs> I don't necessarily shy away from cursing, but I'm not the guy who drops the F-bomb every other right. word. Um, I feel that I am crafting a narrative while I'm up there, and if it serves the narrative that I'm trying to convey to the audience then yes, I'll use a curse word. Uh, Along the same lines, I feel that they were able to do that here with Stamets and Tilly. The underlying thing, it's not about them saying the F word. It's not. No. It's about her coming out of her her shell shell Mm -hmm. and about him being the standoffish engineer who connects with the lower yep. ranking officer and they have a moment. Yeah. And that's that's what we're looking at. Exactly. That's what we're experiencing. The fact that they were able to do it with a four letter word, um, I actually think is very creative. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really unique way to convey the idea through this very specific verbiage. And just how you write your your um your bits, yeah. it serves this moment. Yes, it serves this moment. It you serves know, the narrative. It serves the characters. Yeah, it's not doing it for the sake of the word. It's not doing it for the reaction of the audience. It's serving these characters. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So looking at the corporate lifestyle, we see uh, Saru mm-hmm. feels not really intimidated, but envious and not fearful he's full of regret and anger at burnham for stealing this opportunity and to be honest that's kind of brought to light with the star trek short trek the brightest star where we see saru coming up in his village 
and reaches out and he's greeted by Starf a Starfleet officer. That officer who greets him and takes him into Starfleet that makes him the first Kelpian in Starfleet is at the time Lieutenant Giorgio. So he sees her in a very different oh, wow. light. Oh, yeah. As opposed to Burnham or probably anybody else she's interacted Right. Uh, he's interacted with in Starfleet or she's interacted with Starfleet. There there's a very specific connection there. And I wanted to see if you had any experiences with a mentor and other people where you felt like, because I, I am thinking of something very specific uh, from my life where I thought uh, my mentor should have been giving the attention to me uh, as opposed to who it was bestowed upon. And they got opportunities that I didn't and I felt hurt and betrayed by that. Have you ever dealt with anything like that in the in the corporate world that you I mean how did that feel for you if you've experienced something like that? I'm interested more in in your experience. <laughs> um I'm sure I have. Nothing's coming to mind at the moment. I think mm-hmm. I and I don't want to steer too far off course necessarily. I felt for Saru in this though. Yeah. Um, because I think he was going through a lot of emotions. Very much. Um, he's got the helm right now. You know, he's he's acting captain mm-hmm. because the captain is gone. And yep. and his mission right now is to to save the captain, uh-huh. which he couldn't save Giorgio. Yep. So there's that. And then he's mad. Like you said, he's mad at Burnham. Yeah. Uh, Burnham. Who, he's mad at Burnham. Um for take you know it taking Giorgio away from him yeah um and still on the ship and he she probably he probably feels like he she should be locked up oh yeah um and now she's coming to him wanting something that's not in his priority list mm-hmm. so he tells her to stand down yeah and of course he's he's also trying to juggle and again, learn because he didn't learn from Giorgio, but learn how to be in the in the leadership role. Right. Um, he uh, so he's angry, not only angry at her from the get go, but now angry to find out that she didn't listen to him. Yeah. You know, so he's not able to handle all these emotions and really, again, have the time to think about the important thing because he's he's constantly going what's next what's next you know he doesn't have time to really think about oh we do seriously have an issue with here with this tardigrade yeah um we're not going to be able to move and do what we need to do right because this tardigrade is going to like shrivel up here yeah so he's really dealing with a lot of emotions and and not unfortunately because i think when you get into that role initially as leader there's so much pressure on you mm-hmm. that you might struggle with a situation like this and and really not know how to handle your own emotions and think clearly to be able to address all of the situation. Right. That's that's probably where my mind went to initially in terms of my experience and you know again in that kind of leadership role. But I, but again, I, I'm sorry, I, you were rude. Um, 
you were saying about your experience with a mentor Mm -hmm. that you didn't feel like your mentor gave you the attention that you wanted and gave it to somebody else instead. Um, It's, and this isn't anything I wouldn't discuss with any of these people. So uh, if they they hear this and want to discuss this with me, I'm happy to discuss it with them. But, uh, you know, coming up in the martial arts school, as I did, and it was brought to my attention that it's for the better part of 30 years. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of people come up in the martial arts school. Um, I think right now um, there are, there are people who started after I left Mm -hmm. the school initially and I come back and now they outrank me. Um, there are individuals who I taught personally right? who now are the senior instructors who are, um, who are masters, who have their own schools. And I don't hold any sort of, I don't hold any sort of, uh, ill no. feelings or anything like that about it, but it is kind of. Your life took you away from that for a little right. bit. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, a younger, a younger Todd A. Davis would be very upset by a lot of these things. And, um, there were instances where certain, uh, folks were giving teaching and employment opportunities and I was passed over for those things. Mm. Uh, for one reason or another. Now, like I said, uh, you know, a younger Todd A. Davis would be very upset by those things. But, uh, you know, here I am pushing 40. And some of the folks that got those opportunities aren't even in martial arts anymore. Right. Uh, a lot of them have moved on entirely. Yeah. Uh, and here I am coming back for round two. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but it's it's... You know, there were there were times where I thought, oh, I should be considered, uh, you know, senior instructor, whatever, given uh, all these things. It's, I'm in terms of time, I'm long overdue for a promotion. But in terms of maturity, I had a lot of growing to do. Yeah. So I was able to, you know, I guess hindsight being 2020 age, maturity, all those things coming into play. I see now that had I been promoted, quote unquote, when I should have been back in my late teens, early 20s, I would not have deserved it. I would not have served that rank well. I would not have served the school well. I would not have served myself well in that rank. So it ended up it ended up working out. But at the same time, it's something that I, I do I am conscious of. I don't want to say that I dwell on it, but it is something that I'm conscious of. Yeah. And I I even think there's even to bring it more up to date, there's been times where I've seen uh comedians, comedian friends of mine who get these opportunities to host and headline the shows, and there's a part of my caveman brain in the back <laughs> going well, I'm funnier than that person, or I'm a better host than that person, or I behave more professionally than that person. But that's when I come back to, I'm. this is episode 91. I am two years into a moderately successful Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Like, 
my creative choices have taken me in a different path. Exactly. Their creative choices have taken them down that path. Yeah. And again, as an almost 40-year-old, uh, I'm able to say, you know what? I Yeah, part of me wants that opportunity. Part of me thinks I could do that. But that's their path. This is my path. And, and, and again, kind of like how we started the conversation, like there's an evolution here. It's yeah. like, and kind of that goes from that, like you were talking about the immaturity to maturity phase two right. of in that competitive almost, you know, thought process versus collaborative. Right. You know, so you're, you've evolved, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think there's, we just see evolution all over it's like yeah and you kind of have to grow through all that i go go through all that and grow through all that right it's like you know we all just kind of like saru who maybe doesn't have a lot of experience in leadership and doesn't you know is struggling at the moment here Mm -hmm. um you you have to live through experiences like this right and it kind of stinks in a way you kind of have to live through mistakes right like so we all have regrets and we all have things that didn't go the way we would have done it differently now but we had to we had to go through them to to know how we would change it going forward and and not get ourselves into this whole thing and not repeat history right yeah exactly and i think you know we've been i've been in the past few weeks been talking about discovery and uh you know the characters on the sh- on this show and you know that are on this ship and everything and i think there's uh you know i i don't i don't think i'm breaking any new ground here but um i think a lot of folks might feel that the show is named after the ship it's not these characters are going on a journey of discovery. I love that. Of self-discovery, of discovery of their world around them. And I'm not talking about the planets and the and the celestial bodies and aliens and things like that. I'm talking about the interactions one-on-one. Yeah. They are they are taking this journey to discover a lot of things. And you can look at you can look at Burnham, who is on a journey to rediscover her humanity. You're looking at uh, Saru, who's on a journey to discover what it means to exist in a larger world. Yeah, um, he is the first Kelpian in Starfleet, uh, so he is on a journey to discover all that Starfleet has to offer at this point, which is extensive. Yeah. Um, Tilly is on a journey of self-discovery. She feels that she has a path that she is on, but that path is ever evolving. And it is a path she started out of rebellion against a very oppressive parental figure. And we'll, you know, get into that a little bit more down the road. Um, but again, she sees figures like Saru. Stamets, Burnham, who are, who appear to her to be very strong, very confident, and she wants that strength and confidence, whereas they know it's within her. So they're helping her on her discovery, uh, you know, her self-discovery, while at the same time she grounds uh, Burnham, Stamets, Saru, in that, hey, this science that we're doing is really cool. And yeah. and they have to step back every now and then to go, you're right. 
it is really cool. Um, I think the other thing, like, because I, I love that, um, that it's about discover. It's it, they're on a journey of discovery, mm-hmm. and um, the more you get into this, again, we're not trying to give away too much for those that haven't watched it or that'll watch it with us. Right. Um, there's a lot that happens to these characters. Yeah. And the coolest thing is like we get to see those changes. I mean, we saw one today or on this episode with Stamus. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a critical moment in his arc in his character arc. Oh yeah. Um and he knew who he was before getting into that spore drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to kind of discover how this is changing him yeah. and and who he is with this. Yeah. And there's going to be even more change for this character and more change, you know, for characters around him yep. that he's got to deal with and figure out. It, you know, it, it's kind of like those moments where, and we talked about this in our marriage, actually, even recently, it's just like, you marry someone, it's not the person that you don't stay that same person that you married, yeah. you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like every so many years you kind of evolve or, or again, life happens and changes happen to you. So you have to rediscover yourself along the way. Yeah. It's like, who am I now that I've had this loss or who am I now that I've, you know, discovered this, this, you know, new thing about life. Um, you know, who am I now that I I now have this ability to, you know, to do this, to to travel the universe, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. so it's it's pretty cool. Who am I now that I killed, you know, I'm the responsible that I killed my, my captain. Yeah. You know, I'm now the villain uh-huh. of the story, but now they want me to come back into the fold. How do I, how do I interact with people? Yeah. You know, all of these things is like... Yeah. Speaking of discovering uh, things within yourself and those around you, we see uh, Lorca discover a couple of new characters. Ash Tyler, who we know is going to go on a very big, profound journey of discovery. Uh, But here at the, you know, here at the outset, we're seeing him discover things about Lorca and that we were not privy to right. about his experience on the USS Buran, Buran and uh, what he had to do and what kind of man, what kind of man, what kind of leader, what kind of captain he is in that he's the only one to survive. And we see that he made a decision to kill his crew. Now we've seen folks like Khan and Kirk who are willing to do anything to save their crew. But we've never seen them make the sacrifice of their crew to say to prevent to prevent a worse fate. How crazy is that? Yeah. And and the and the trauma and the guilt that you carry yeah. with that. Now at the same time, you in a way you are saving them, but you're saving them by killing them. Yeah. You're like, saving them from a worse fate. I don't even know how I would mentally survive that. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. It's that's a big that, thing to the carry survivor's around. guilt of that has to be crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing. Yeah. And we see later on down the road part of the reason he's able to deal with it so well, right. but that's that's 
putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other, yeah, the other thing that we discover in this episode <laughs> is a new new character, Harry Mud. Yeah. So we get this con man who spins this yarn of love lost, and I'm just trying to carve my way in this world and starfleet's not the goody two shoes that they pretend to be and this that and the other thing but then we discover (laughs) that he's in league he's in league to a degree with the klingons right in that he's passing them information in in um in exchange for his life i assume but also safe passage um to escape things that also will be revealed down the road but um, how do we feel about, not necessarily Rain Wilson, because we'll get to him in a few more minutes, but how do we feel about the character of Harry Mudd and his inter- his first interaction here in the timeline? Harry Mudd becomes a, a you know, uh, this yeah. is this is not the only series that we'll see the character of Harry Mudd in, right. but uh, this is our first introduction to him in the timeline. How do we feel about Harry Mudd? I think this character is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it does have to do with Rain Wilson, you know, and his acting. But uh, just the way he can kind of manipulate others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talk his way out of a situation. Sure. I always find it very fascinating when people can do that. I don't have that skill. <laughs> um, I'm just like, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. You know? Right. But, um, yeah, he's just got that charismatic. Very. And you'll – the other reason that I don't – I can't, you know, the kind of characters like this I can't really relate to is just like I'm going to be the person who com- is completely gullible with these people. It's like I, uh. anything that they say I'm going to think is, oh, yeah, he's telling the truth. Of course. Why would he lie? Right. You know? That, that story could not be a lie because yeah. it's so well spun. Right. And – um no, he could. He he's lying through his teeth. So I've I've stated, <laughs> Most of the time. yeah, exactly. I've stated before on the show multiple episodes my love for the heist movie, my, mm-hmm. my love for, uh, you know the the con, you know the con game, the con job, the con man, as it were. Um, I feel like Harry Mudd is a less successful Danny Ocean in space, like. He's Oh, I love that. He's 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 this smooth talking con man, yeah. but his his schemes don't ever really pan out for him in the end. <laughs> uh or they're just seen uh they're seen uh through before the big reveal is sure. should be revealed. Yeah. Um yeah, I I think I, to be honest, uh, part of me wishes that there was a uh Starfleet uh, or a, a Star Trek franchise, maybe a mini movie or, you know, a, a short mini series or something like that. That was very mud, mud and uh, the con, the con artist type thing, probably dealing with the Orions yeah. and, you know, and that sort of thing. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I really... That would be a lot of fun, actually. I think that would be really great. Because we don't really have any... Do we have any Star Trek stories that don't have Starfleet in them? Like, 
Except for maybe Prodigy. Prodigy. It's probably the closest. Yeah, but it's, it's probably like, closest. It's like we're almost more focused on the villains rather yeah. than rather than the heroes. I guess to a degree, well, I mean, it's coming back into focus, I feel, or it's going to. Uh, Picard. Picard was very much the bigger adventure on the whole as opposed to, hey, we're in Starfleet. Gotcha. Because everybody... everybody he's kind of retired anyway. He's retired. So. Rios isn't in there anymore. Rafi's not in there. A uh, bunch of folks that were on the uh, the La Siena were not were not Starfleet. Yeah. They might they might have been affiliated with Starfleet at some point, but they are not wearing uniforms and com badges. Right. Um but yeah, I don't think we have a specific non Starfleet centric story. It might be interesting. I think that I'm would just, be interesting. I'm just saying, like even like a whole I don't know if I go Klingon, but Maybe mm. Mud would be a kind of a cool central character to do and his exploits through the universe yeah maybe a younger mud yeah who just starting out in the universe maybe um dealing with actually maybe even an older mud where he kind of knows some of the people he runs into and he's like oh no well you know what i mean we're gonna see an older mud and well yeah in, in, in short order yeah <laughs> but like if he if we if if rain wilson did his own like spinoff show mm. that'd be kind of fun yeah that would be fun that would be fun we're so, just putting that out there in case you guys need anybody we're to spe- help with that. We are we're, speaking we're it into existence. Yeah, manifesting. <laughs> we are manifesting this. So as we do every week, we lovingly ask the question, uh, who do we blame? Uh, the story for Choose Your Pain was written by Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts. They've uh, done quite a bit of writing uh, for this series, their last work on the franchise was season one, episode three. Context is for kings, uh, which we discussed with Star Trek Prodigy's Bonnie Gordon back on episode eighty-nine. Uh, story was also developed by Kent Powers, uh, who was born October 30, 1973, Went to Howard University in D.C. Uh, he's uh, he got started as a playwright. His first play is called One Night in Miami. Uh, that he did in 2013. Here's a brief uh, breakdown of what that is. A fictional account of February 25th, 1964. It pinpoints a pivotal moment in the lives of four still nascent black American icons whose potential thoughts and actions play out in the 90-minute one-act play. The four characters are... 22-year-old newly crowned world boxing champion Cassius Clay as he transforms into Muhammad Ali, iconic Nation of Islam leader Malcolm X, influential singer-songwriter record producer Sam Cooke, and NFL star running back Jim Brown. The real-life friends celebrate Clay's surprise title win over Sonny Liston at the Hampton House in Miami, watched over by the Nation of Islam Security. Now, first of all, that sounds awesome. Yeah, is that still um, in production? Uh, like, Or can you, they is are, anyone actually doing that anymore? They are, I believe, in the process of turning it into either a miniseries or uh, a movie. Nice. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But um, what does this have to do with Star Trek? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh <laughs> Playing the role of Jim Brown in the original London cast is Mr. David Ahala, who plays Book on Star Trek Discovery. 
Now, spoiler, we haven't seen book. Yeah, we haven't seen book yet. But <laughs> if you are listening to this, uh, there's a good chance you've already seen a Maybe lot of Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the character of book uh, plays Jim Brown in uh, One Night cool. in Miami. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, later iterations of that story because it sounds really awesome. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, Kent Powers landed a a job on a little show called Star Trek Discovery as a staff writer for the first five episodes, which means this is his last work on the franchise so far. So uh, thank you, Mr. Powers, for uh, your work so far. uh, And we wish you all the luck in uh, One Night in Miami coming to uh, screens near us (laughs) or near us as in our living room. Whatever... uh, form it takes place we look forward to it uh and of course powers also wrote the teleplay for this episode uh it was also directed by lee rose whose first credit uh their first credit was it's nothing personal a tv film from 1993 she was the writer producer on that uh lee's first directing was the color of courage from 1998 it stars uh linda hamilton from terminator 2 Emmy winner Lynn Whitfield and Star Trek alum Bruce Greenwood. Uh, Lee's first TV directing was an episode of Soul Food. It was season five, episode 10, Love Me or Leave Me. Uh, Lee would go on to do six episodes of Related, nine episodes of Heaven. And this is her. Heaven or Haven? Actually, you know what? I think that is Haven. I think it's Haven. Okay. Um, this is our first of five episodes, uh, in the franchise. So I'm looking forward to see nice. what else, uh, Lee puts her hands to and, uh, further work down the line. In terms of guest stars, we've got quite a few returning. Uh, we've got Jane Brooke as Admiral Katrina Cornwell, Ooh. Mary Chifo as Laurel, Wilson Cruz as Dr. Hugh Colber, MD, but the big one we're going to focus on here is Rain Wilson as Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Uh, Rain Wilson was born January 20, 1966, so he is currently 57. In fact, uh, he just had a birthday. Happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, he got his uh, Bachelor's of Fine Art from the University of Washington and Master's of Fine Art from NYU. Uh, his first TV appearance was one episode of One Life to Live in 1997. His first film was that other favorite Star Trek movie, Galaxy Quest, in 1999. Uh, He'd make appearances in Almost Famous in 2000, which is such a great movie. I love that movie. And he would do episodes of Charmed and Dark Angel. Other films that he was in, House of Thousand Corpses and Sahara. He would do 13 episodes of Six Feet Under from 2003 to 2005, uh, which would earn him a SAG award for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a drama series in 2004. And then of course, as Dwight K. Schrute in 188 episodes of The Office, he directed three of those episodes, season six's The Cover Up, season seven's Classy Christmas, and season eight's Get the Girl. Uh, He was nominated for three Emmys and won two more SAG Awards uh, for his work as Dwight K. Schrute. Here's a fun fact. 
He worked with Mary Chifo's mom, Beth Grant, in Season 4, Episode 9, Dinner Party, and Season 9, Episode 13, Junior Salesman. Do you remember seeing Mary Chifo's mom, Beth Grant? Do you know who that is? I think I do. So, if you recall, Dwight shows up... With his... With his old babysitter. Yeah. That's her? That's Beth Grant. That's funny. She's also the woman on the bus in Speed who who gets sucked under the wheels. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's her. Um, During that run, he was in Few Options, All Bad in 2011, playing the role of Cousin Don, which was directed by George Pappy, who did the Green Girl documentary that we covered uh, and discussed with Professor Caroline Davis back on episode 86. But this is his first appearance in the franchise. And as hardcore trekkers know, not his last. So his last. we are looking forward to seeing him. And again. he's got so many other credits than this too. So yeah, this is a very this is a very pared down version of I guess the other one I was thinking about his his minor role in Juno. Yes, in Juno, uh Super he plays Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- I mean he's been in a lot of he's stuff. Been a lot. He was in a movie with um Brian Cranston. Um oh and I forget the lead actress's name. Damn. But anyways it's about this older couple who figures out a loophole in scratch-off lottery tickets. Oh, nice. And it's called, uh, oh, uh, something in Marge Go Large. Oh, what is the name of that movie? (laughs) Jerry and Marge Go Large, uh, which actually came out uh, last year and is available now on Paramount+. Plus. It's actually a really great movie. I really, really enjoy it. It's Brian Cranston and, uh, uh, oh, Annette Bening. There you go. Yeah, she plays Marge. Uh, but it, there's a lot of really great folks in that movie. It's a really fun, cute... It's a great date night movie. Cool. Uh, yeah. It, so if you like kind of the heartwarming uh, heist films, then this this would be... Did what, I see this? No, you didn't. <laughs> okay, well, take me on a date. Okay, I'll take you on a date and we'll watch that movie. <laughs> date night. Date night, Yay. It's uh, also Valentine's Day tomorrow. Tomorrow. Future that's, Todd. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, Kat, do you feel like this episode is essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and working their way through Star Trek for the very first time, is this an episode that they can skip or is this a must-see episode? It's going to be hard for me to say a lot of discovery is a skip. Yeah, I, I've I've felt the same way, and I've expressed as much so far. Um, yeah, this one absolutely yes because of the spore drive. Yeah, honestly, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, just just how much that becomes so integral with discovery as a whole, mm-hmm. and how Stamus is involved in that now. It's right. like I yeah you, you yeah this is this is a must view must see yeah i think between the character interactions uh you know the big interactions here i feel are burnham and saru then you've got um stamets and tilly and then we've got Lorca and tyler yeah uh while each of those relationships are good to see we do get some specific character development could that 
be addressed in other episodes, sure. But I think in terms of the overall plot, I think this episode leans on the plot because not only are we dealing with the stuff in the spore drive, like you said, mm-hmm. we've also got uh, the beginnings of Ash Tyler's story, yeah. which we know ends up blossoming into a, a whole thing. And uh, we've also got uh, the introduction of the Mirror Universe. Right. Which, um, for hardcore fans, uh, if you are following along in the chronology, you may or may not have seen Star Trek Enterprise's Mirror Universe episodes, which we have not covered yet because they actually fall later in the timeline. Uh, But this is actually the first glimpse if you're going by the timeline uh as dictated by the star trek chronology project we know that this is the first glimpse that we see in this chronology yeah so i think this definitely sets up uh we do see that this is the beginning the first chapter is the first step in this uh larger plot being the mirror universe um any parting thoughts before we uh start wrapping it up no i don't think so uh, well uh first of all thank you so much for coming on my pleasure as always we absolutely love having you on i've gotten wonderful comments about your appearances on the show and uh, again as in your role of executive producer i don't think i could Really, I really couldn't do this show without you. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, as we've mentioned, this is our second anniversary episode. Two years. Here we are, episode 91. I've got a lot of people to thank. Um, and honestly, if you haven't been listening since the beginning, I highly recommend going back and seeking out some of these episodes. Right here at the top, we've got Star Trek's comics historian, Alan J. Porter, who we spoke with last week. And then we've got Star Trek Prodigy's own, Bonnie Gordon, who made her second appearance with us a few weeks ago. From season four of Star Trek Enterprise, former Green Girl, Manina Fortunato, Shuttlepods producers, Erica LaRose and Mark Cartier, actress, theater historian and critic, Professor Caroline Davis, author and illustrator of Airship Enterprise and editor-in-chief of Antarctic Press, Brian Denham. From Four Quadrants podcast, Jerry Antimano. Comedians Patrick Cunningham, Mark Viola, Mike Kaplan, Christina Rose Yassi, and Dave Baker. My boys from Cinema Shock, film historian Justin Bishop, and from the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA, Gary Horn. Lego mock builders Thomas Fletcher and Chris Ames. Pop artists, Dwayne Ballinger and J. Chris Campbell. Dungeon Master and former USS Enterprise engineer, Michael LeBlanc. Wes from Twin City Trekkies. Uh, Comedian artist, Andy Cummings. From 1701 Blurred, actor, writer, director, Matt Jennings. Sci-fi author, Daniel McMillan. Verge Games, Josiah Martindale and TJ Surgeon. From the more you nerd and cosmic crit, Mr. Drew Burris, indie Star Trek enamel pin designer, Captain Dan O'Connor, YouTuber Jay Curtis Strickland, author of The Gospel According to Star Trek, Kevin C. Neese, poet and comedian Moody Black, creator of the Star Trek Chronology Project, Jason Keener, 
artist and photographer J.P. Newton, friends and supporters Ren and Fred Sims, love you guys, everyone in the Star Trek podcasting and social media community, and of course, last but not least, beautiful, talented, fun and funny, very sexy voice of <laughs> <laughs> the very sexy voice of reason your executive producer love of my life cat davis what an amazing year and that is such an incredible lineup i think some of our biggest thanks honestly you need to go out to our listeners you yes uh thank you for continuing to choose computer resume thank you for your feedback and your support special thank you to our patreon supporters we could not do this without you guys and really, really value all that, really value your contribution. Uh, and big congratulations, babe. I mean, you're doing an awesome, awesome job. Thank you to our host, <laughs> Mr. Todd A. Davis. Uh, you are keeping us entertained every single week and we can't thank you enough and, and taking us on this journey. It's a lot of information and a lot of great things that you've put into this show. I'm so proud of everything that you're doing and everything that you're working on. Year three is going to be killer, guys. Yeah. We've got so much in the works for you and that you're going to really, really enjoy. So more to come. Yes, yes. We've got a lot. Speaking of things to come, folks, next week we will be joined once again by the creator of the Star Trek Chronology Project, Jason Keener. He will be here to discuss Discovery Season 1, Episode 6, Lethe, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Kat, where can people bother you on the internet? <laughs> I am mostly on Instagram at that.darn.cat. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. Culber explains that medical scans on its frontal lobes show cumulative de- show cumulative de- mm. show cumulative oh why can't I say that? Ah!
word. Cumulative. Cumulative. Kolber explains that medical scans on its frontal lobes show cumulative de- deterioration. How's that for a slice of fried gold? 